Welcome to Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We're two best friends entering the world of true crime. We'll be sharing the stories of some of the worst and most horrific murder cases in history with the help of professional criminologists. And we're taking you along for the ride. In this episode, we're looking into the crimes of the monster butler, Archibald Hall. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Oh, just what? before you get into what you're going to get into, because I can tell it's going to be really good, I have a quick update. Yeah. Um, I was just listening to the craze episode. Yes. That we did. Yes. Um, where we spent way too long talking about cranes. Important. Yeah. yeah. And my stepdad, it turns out, one of his really good friends, mm-hmm. he's the man inside the crane. No way. So yeah. where does he go to the toilet? Oh, well, I don't know yet, but I've got a list of questions. Oh, good. <laughs> I've asked I've asked Darren to, to, to forward them on. And um, he was like, do you want to get him in to talk about to, talk no on the podcast? No way. And I was like... I do, but that's not what we're here for, so no. Why don't we but- get him on an Instagram live? <laughs> Crane questions yeah. live. Yeah. We could probably arrange that. If I you want to see that, then let us know on socials and we'll make it happen. I think we should. That's otherwise, a dream come true, I think. Otherwise, in the next couple of weeks, I'll make sure that our crane questions are answered. <laughs> Just send them us as a DM. Get them at Devils in the Dark on Instagram, yep. or you can find Helena at Helen Anders. And you at uh, that Danny Howard? Yeah, that one. Get your crane questions in. I love that. You kept that quiet? I did. You wanted me to. You I was excited. buzzing to tell you. I've got a story for you. Oh, God. I'm terrified. So I was looking on Instagram story, doing my usual scrolling of people's. Sto- I, I get. In, like I fall in a hole when I look at what yeah. people's up to on stories. Anyway, one of my friends posted this really scary picture of a painting of like a girl looking in the mirror and then like there being some sort of figure in the background. Oh no. And she posted that she'd had a dream that she was on Instagram. In her dream, she was looking on Instagram and she saw a video of her and a friend on Instagram. She was like, that... It, I well, I wasn't there. This is really weird. I'm, I'm. Why am I in this video? I don't remember being at her house. This is really strange. Like we never hung out that day. So I messaged her in the dream to say like, "Who is that person in in the video with you?" And she was like, "What person? There's no one there." Shut up. Right. Okay. Uh, and in the dream, she could feel herself like, no, in real life. Sorry, she felt herself then being tugged and it turns out that the person in the dream in the video that wasn't there was a demon version of her does that make sense no so okay so (laughs) so, sorry so so she had she dreamt that she'd seen a video on instagram of her and a friend and she 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 knows she wasn't with that friend then that wasn't and the friend said no one was there in the video. What are you talking about? In the dream. In the dream. In the dream. Right. And then in real life, she felt someone tug on her foot, like in her sleep. Right. And it turns out that that person, that version of her in the dream, in the video was a demon. And I, and I, 
I, I can't get the Instagram story up where she posted this because it's, it's obviously... Um, yeah, but is it... A, so in the dream it was a demon or in real life no, she it, knows the demon was no, in, in her it, dream? In, in in the dream it was a demon. So you know like... You know like... Um, oh God, this is really hard So her explain. real life self isn't saying it's a demon? No, in the dream it was a demon. In the dream. Right? In the dream she was a demon. Right. Right. And I and she said that she felt her foot being tugged in real life, and then she also felt like a feeling of something inside her, like scratching or something. And then I replied to her story in real life, saying, "Mate, that sounds terrifying." And she replied to me saying, "The friend's house I was at was yours." Fuck off! Yeah, fuck off! Yeah, no, yeah. I know. And oh. now everywhere I go in my house, I'm like, "Is the demon in my house?" I didn't. Do you know what? I didn't. Yeah. Care, I didn't care much for this story until then. <laughs> what? Yeah. So she dreamt she was watching herself in a video on Instagram at, at my house. house, and I was obviously filming myself, and she was in the background, but she wasn't really there. That was a demon. Oh, that kind of makes like, me want to cry. I know. And so because I've got jet lag at the minute, and I and I can't get to sleep till late, so I'm up late downstairs with the dogs, and everywhere's dark outside. I'm just thinking I'm going to see the demon. Um, I'm. I have to address this. You keep saying demon. Yeah. Why? Because I can't speak. We've established <laughs> this. I don't know how to say Bourbon. I can never pronounce anything. Alex, producer Alex has to phonetically type everything out for me on my script. I just thought, I thought maybe it's a different kind. Like, you know, like... <laughs> I've lost it. <laughs> I just thought so on the way on the on the way to the studio today, Helen's been upset because she's been saying bourbon like bourbon whiskey. She's been saying it like bourbon, like the biscuit. Yes. <laughs> the whole time. Um and has has made a has made a whole video about bourbon because she has this great job and that and um loads of people have been like, You say that wrong. <laughs> I went to Kentucky. I did a load of bourbon. See, I said it right then. I did a load of bourbon distillery tours, and the whole time I just kept saying bourbon, bourbon. This bourbon's great. No one fucking corrected me when I was there. I get home, upload my vlog, and I just get a load of people saying that the way I say say, say bourbon is really cringe. To be fair, and I'm like, what have I done wrong? And then you immediately corrected me in the car. In <laughs> in your defence. Like they're spelt the same, and yes. I don't understand why a bourbon biscuit is a bourbon biscuit. And are we even saying that right? Should it be a bourbon biscuit? I know, right? Who knows the actual truth? All I know is that I want one now. Yeah, I'll take the whiskey and the biscuit. I want a whiskey fair. biscuit. I want a whi- oh, do you? I reckon a bourbon. No, wait, a bourbon dipped in bourbon. Oh God, yeah. Do you know I did some pairing of like bourbon and chocolate? Did it you? was it was so delicious. Mm. But anyway, that's back not to what the- we're here for. We're, we're, we're going into t- to crane territory now. We are. We are. Um, terrified that I have got a demon living in my house and my friend was warning me. I said to her, am I the demon? Are you the demon? <laughs> <laughs> Scary, isn't it? I, I don't yeah. really believe in the supernatural. I love supernatural stuff. I love watching it on movies. But now I'm scared. Yeah, it's not for me. Get out. Yeah. Okay. But that's... uh, So hopefully I'll be able to make the next recording because I'll still be here. 
Oh my God, it's not even October yet. This could get worse. Shut up. I know. Well, you know what? If you guys insist on calling it fucking spooky season, yeah, then what do you expect? That's all I'm going to say. You're going to get demons. You're going to get shit like this because you want the spooky season. And you, you, you get the spooky and you don't like it. So that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, that was the demon inside oh, me coming God. out. <laughs> right so shall we start with yeah. the story what are we here for today day? okay so let's just put it this way if you were one to lock the butler in tomb raider in the freezer you've got the right idea oh okay yeah you should should be doing that right lock, lock your butlers in the freezer everybody everybody so let's set the scene it's a cold January evening in Scotland in 1978. Two men in their 50s are checking into a small hotel for the night. They don't seem to have a lot of belongings, but they have their car with them and they're just looking for a simple room. The older of the men is chatty, too chatty. He spends a little too long excitedly telling the owner how he and his friend are about to emigrate to Australia. <laughs> the owner is a bit suspicious and once the men have gone up to their room, he tells his wife about the two strange guys who have just checked in. Having a feeling that they're going to get up to no good or do a runner, he calls the police. Not long after, the police arrive to check out their pair, but they never could have guessed that they were about to meet one of Scotland's most enigmatic serial killers wow one who had already killed four people and had the dead body of his own brother in the back of his car oh paul was a man of untold evil yet he always conducted himself like a perfect gentleman archibald hall was a con man and a serial killer that would stop at nothing to get the luxurious lifestyle he desired. This is just an animal. He's, he can't be human to do these things because he showed no remorse whatsoever. How much did you love doing this episode with all these Scottish people? <laughs> no. The first guy, Len, Len is, is his name, he's a solicitor and he's got the best voice. We've got, we've had some really good voice, some voices on here. Strong voices yeah, this season. We yeah. have. He was my favourite, to be fair, because he's kind of posh Scottish. I thought there was a little twang, but I yeah. couldn't quite tell. So within a period of just six months, Archibald Hall transformed from a simple con man into a serial killer with very expensive taste. The monster butler had created a fake life of glitz and glamour using names and plot lines straight out of Hollywood movies, including murder. According to him, he was a sort of potential folk hero. But when you look at his story, it's tawdry. It's, it's not attractive at all. He was not anything of a hero. In fact, he was the exact opposite. I think what makes him stand out is that he only killed people he knew. Um, most psychopaths kill complete strangers. It's only if you actually knew him that you were in grave danger. So let's go back to the start. Archibald Thompson Hall was born in Glasgow in 1924 to a working-class family he was the eldest of three children and was named after his father. He absolutely hated this, though. I probably, I don't blame him. Yeah, <laughs> she bald. Um, and insisted on being called Roy. That's not even close. No, not at all. It? No. Okay. Author and lawyer Alan Nicholl 
is an Archibald Hall expert and knows more about what his home life was like. I think he was brought up by two caring parents, but I don't think they acted together in bringing up Hall. Um, I particularly think the mother uh, certainly enjoyed undermining um, Hall Senior's authority over the boy, and uh, she certainly indulged him as much as she could. Archibald, <laughs> lol, that we're actually calling him Archibald because I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> was obsessed with movies, especially the big studio classics. He fell in love with the grandeur and wealth and he became consumed by the idea of becoming the kind of swab and debonair rogue he idolised on screen. And I don't think this is too strange because... A lot of people are influenced like by music to how they act and dress and behave. So being inspired by movies, I don't think is, you know, that. No, odd. I was just about to say that because even now it's quite easy to sort of be like, I love golden age Hollywood movies. Like mm-hmm. they're so glamorous, the glitz, just the colour, the diamonds, the 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 way uh, they spoke. Yeah, everything about it is it's this whole, it's, it's just all very like, grand but it almost doesn't seem too unattainable no um so i can i can kind of see how that at at the time like imagine at the time it's actually happening Mm -hmm. um how it could probably be quite easy to get swept up in that sort of you know ideal yeah but anyway this kind of lifestyle wasn't cheap as you can imagine and he didn't have the kind of money just lying around so of course he turned to petty theft But before long, the law caught up with him and at 17 years old, Archibald was arrested for the first time. I was going to say, I want the selling sunset lifestyle slash real housewives. I wonder how. What would I have to steal? You're going to have to avoid, don't even bother with petty crime. You're going to have to go straight in with the big guys. (laughs) The heists. (laughs) You're going to have to go straight in at banks or something to to fuel that fire. He was actually judged mentally unstable and was sent to a psychiatric unit. But this didn't stop Archibald from being absolutely intent on getting that silver screen lifestyle. Yeah, I don't understand um, why he was deemed as unstable. They don't really go into too much detail about that. Maybe it's like the delusion. Maybe he's got a bit of a delusion of grandeur, the delusional. Perhaps. Maybe he believes it too much. Criminologist Professor David Wilson studied Archibald's teenage years and knows what kind of influence these early experiences had. Hall doesn't want to talk about that because Hall, the adult man, wants to pretend that his life is glamorous and aspirational and is something that should be desired. So he doesn't want to draw attention to the fact that actually he's been certified as insane on at least two occasions. That part of his history gets rubbed out and other parts of his history, if we can believe him, are brought to the fore, such as his sexual magnetism. Where did the sexual magnetism come in? I didn't. That, that was one of those. Well, ones it just, it just, it, it, the sexual magnetism came from. He his, just is sexually just, magnetic. Yeah, he just is. He's got that charisma. He's got that because he obviously is aspiring to be like a movie star in Hollywood. He's I, like, mm. I know he's going to turn out to be a bad guy, mm-hmm. but being described as like sexually magnetic. 
sounds cool. Yeah, I want that. <laughs> what do I? What, what do I have? Yeah, what do I have to do to to achieve that? <laughs> Not like a thumb on a daily yeah. basis. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. So yeah. <laughs> just, what's the opposite of sexually magnetic? Like sexually repulsive. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, Archibald spent the next 10 years in prisons and psychiatric units, but he put all of that to good use. Whilst inside, he studied etiquette. Etiquette? I need to study etiquette and language because I can't fucking speak half the time. And learned all about British aristocracy. He practised elocution and basically trained himself out of his Scottish accent in favour of a more transatlantic Queen's English voice. Oh. I imagine it to sound a bit like Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, she had a lovely accent. She had a, did she? Oh, that was Welsh. I don't know what I just did. But probably a bit more posher. Probably like the guy that we're going to hear in a minute anyway. He thought that if he did this, when he came out, he could get the kind of life he'd always wanted. He'd also put a great deal of time into thinking of new ways to get the kind of money he'd need for his new glamorous life. And that's when he had an idea. Archibald's mother was a housekeeper in a huge house in Scotland. And as you can imagine, she has a lot of trust in the house, access to a lot of expensive things, and obviously is trusted Mm. by the owners. So that was a light bulb moment for him. An opportunity. Opportunity. And of course, the male version of a housekeeper is a butler. And Hall very quickly puts two and two together so that he realises that if he becomes a butler, he'll have access to a house, access to valuables, access to bank accounts that the owner of the house might have, and realises he can use this position of trust to abuse that position of trust to steal and to make his way as he would like. So over the next 25 years, Archibald transformed himself into a professional butler. He conned his way from job to job, house to even bigger house, and in his mind, he was nailing it. He would certainly have you believe that. Um, In his book, which is called A Perfect Gentleman, um, he goes through and describes the, the various cons that he himself thought up and then perpetrated. Um... For instance, um, he goes into a shop pretending he's an American businessman and he carries it off perfectly and everyone believes he's a businessman with great credit, etc. He also had the scam whereby you go and look at a ring and he would claim he had a ring made up that only cost £100 but this this ring was worth £1,000 and um, he would deftly swap them and the jeweller wouldn't notice. Danny's jaw dropped and she's grabbed her phone to look up this book. Well, he just dropped that in so casually. Oh, in his book? He has a book? Yeah. I mean, we all know how this went before. (laughs) Oh, my God. And it's a perfect gentleman. It's not, it's by Roy Hall. It's not by Archibald. Yeah, we changed his name, didn't he? Is that him on the front cover? Yeah. He's terrifying to look at. This doesn't even look like a... Re- oh, my God. Oh, this isn't going to be an... Im- it's 17 quid. Really? That's too much. That's what? It's hardcover. Who, but who has hardcover? It's not even new. It's not even new. It's got a few small marks or stains. Collectors, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, but I want it. No, I don't. I don't want to start <laughs> this library of, like, serial killers. The dark, books. dark library. I mean, at least it's not a recipe book. But Have you still got that? 
Yeah. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. I've just sort of squidged it in with it so it's not very visible. Mm. But I still, I know it's there. But part of me also wants to make cat soup. <laughs> <laughs> and I like knowing I have a recipe for that. In <laughs> just in case. <laughs> I would also like to quickly touch upon the fact that he did like, I can only imagine it like a cartoon sketch. He goes into a jeweler's with a cheap ring, asks to look at a ring and swaps them over and swipes the fat, like the really expensive one. Like, do, 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 yeah. do, yoink. And then he leaves the shop and it's in slow-mo and it goes, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> Just think, how did he get away with that? Like, oh God. It was a different time. It was a different time. It really was, wasn't it? So even though Archibald would have, everyone to think that he was this mission impossible level swiper he wasn't actually very good at it <laughs> believe it or not is it because they were like literally plastic rings and the guy was just like well fuck is this you think i'm stupid right <laughs> that's a fucking harry mo down yeah. uh, um, what's that over there <laughs> <He> just runs <laughs> He tried every kind of stealing too, forgery, breaking into shops and houses and nicking jewels from the rich. But time and time again, he was arrested and would get sent back to jail. Stealing was Hall's favourite crime, but he was not very good at it. And I would just, you know, he spent all this time learning how to talk not Scottish and elocution and all that shit. Why don't you just study? Like tax evasion or, or, or like counting or a, cards or something or a profession like he's obviously a smart guy just train to do something which has a well-paid salary to perhaps. do anything else <laughs> yeah <laughs> but archibald's crimes were about to take a turn in 1973 he met a small-time thief called david wright professor david wilson knows more David Wright was a criminal that Hall met at Long Larton Jail in Evesham in Worcestershire when he was serving another prison sentence. And as Hall would talk about, he sort of fell in love with Wright. Wright was an attractive, handsome, younger man. Now, Hall knew how to use his sexuality to get what he wanted. So when Hall's released first from Long Larton Prison, and then Wright is going to follow to where Hall is. In 1977, Archibald was out of prison again, and then this time he was out for an even bigger and grander haul. It was around this time that Scottish landowner Lady Peggy Hudson was looking for a new butler. The man she hired was cultured, knowledgeable, and would work for low wages. But... This was too good to be true. Right, just going to stop you there for a minute. He's committing all these crimes because he wants to get rich. Why the fuck is he working for low wages then? You're a butler, mate. They're rich people. Just ask for a decent wage. But he wanted the job so he could get in the house and earn her trust. Oh. And then he could do more crimes in the house. Well, you know, yeah, but also, like, if she's going to notice... Who are you going to look at first? The guy who's got access to everything. <laughs> right. In it. I know. This is a flawed plan, Archie, mate. I would also like to comment that if he wants the lifestyle of grandeur, marry Peggy, like go in there with your sexual magnetism and like, you know, make her fall in love with you. It's the gambit, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Play the long game, Arch. But I just want to say, his life of crime isn't really getting him anywhere, though. It's not he's a prison. He's still, he's still in a prison. He's still like stealing shit to get rich. He's, it's not working. Also, judging by what I've just seen on that book cover, mm-hmm. I feel like sexually magnetic is very generous. <laughs> very generous term. <laughs> oh. Scottish journalist Frank Ryan covered Archibald's quest for fame and fortune and spoke to Lady Peggy about the man she hired. Well, she said she had got him through an agency and she had got a reference from a Mr Wooten, who was in fact his father-in-law, but purported to be a, a businessman or some person of authority who could give a reference. So she was conned by that. Um, he earned uh, 20 pounds a week, which was very low, even then. And she asked him why he was prepared to work for such a low salary when he could have been earning money either in the jewellery trade or, or in London. And he said that um, he loved li- living in the country and he was prepared to sacrifice uh, salary for the life at Kirtleton. There you go. Lies. Lies. It is. But for Archibald, this wasn't a sacrifice. We know. It was all part of his plan to Connor. He did claim to actually have feelings for Lady Hudson, though. Right. Called it. This is why it's smart. Yeah. Trust on another level. In his book, he wrote that he did have sex with her for charity. Fuck off for charity she's paying you 20 quid a week mate like it's you're the charity case here she's she could pay a gigolo more yeah Eh? an escort yeah you're just you're just you're giving it away for free idiot he doesn't have a clue does he he's uh, he's 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 way off isn't he way off base things are about to get a little bit shaken up though as soon archibald's lover from prison David Wright was released and decided to join Archibald up in Scotland. To Archibald's surprise, Lady Hudson took an instant liking to David. Oh. Uh-oh. Oh. Because David's the sexually magnetic one. Clearly. Heck. Wright knows that Hall really isn't a butler, but somebody who's going to steal from Lady Hudson. So quite clearly there was tension between the two of them from a very early stage. And that tension, it mounts and mounts until eventually, according to Hall, Wright stole a diamond ring from Lady Hudson that Hall then has to get back and replace before Lady Hudson realizes what has happened. Can't you just use one of his fakes? Get his Harry bows out. Yeah, he's been doing that before. That's because he didn't do it well. (laughs) (laughs) Living together in the big house was putting a strain on their relationship and it wasn't long before things bubbled over. One night after spending the evening drinking heavily, it got out of hand. David returned to the house and shot at Archibald as he slept. Just got a gun out. Bang. Oh, my hit, God. He hit, the, he hit the headboard. <laughs> Didn't even... He's lying still. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he must have been shit-faced. <laughs> He's lucky it was pointing the right way. <laughs> you know, when you get to that level of smash where you like try and light the filter end of a cigarette. <laughs> Failing 
shooting him correctly. He ended up just smashing Archibald in the face of his pistol. Right. Leaving quite a mess of his face. So the morning after, David begged him for forgiveness. I'm so sorry for trying to kill you in the night. (laughs) Smashing your face in. Please, can we be friends again? But it was obviously too late. You wouldn't just let that pass, would you? I mean, he fucking shot at me, (laughs) so no. (laughs) But, you know, he played it cool. Archibald played it cool. Basically, they went out shooting the next day. Rabbits. Um, Because David's already already started. (laughs) David started without him. (laughs) They went out to shoot rabbits. And Archibald was um, taking note of how many bullets was in Wright's shotgun. Oh. Yeah. So when he knew that he'd used up all of his ammo, he pretended to shoot at a rabbit and swung it around and shot him. No! I know I've just told you what's happened, but we have to hear it from Archibald's own solicitor, Len Murray, because the way he tells this, it's just, you will die. Oh, my God. (laughs) The following day, out they went shooting rabbits. Um, Right with a shotgun and Hall with a .22 rifle. Hall counted very carefully the number of uh, shots that Wright had in his gun. He had a total of eight. And uh, when he had made sure that eight had gone, he lifted his .22 and pointed it at a rabbit and gradually swung it round and shot right in the head. And he shot him not once, but he shot him four times. One in the head, and then three more in his torso. An extraordinarily cold killing. I just right. was, can I just say, if, if I was a waitress and he was trying to order his dinner, I've got tears in my eyes because I want him to read me an erotic novel. And it takes so long. I just I'm got... going to wrap my lips around your neck. I think I just... <laughs> like, I was trying so hard to be like, focus on what he's saying. <laughs> like, he took ages about it. And until, but before he got to the shooting, which we'll talk about in a second, because that was a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I was like, like, fucking hell. I, I got a flutter there, I think. Like, <laughs> he, uh, him, I mean, him and that guy from, from a, the, the sheriff guy from... Yeah, um, from Eileen Warner. Yeah. Yeah. Heck, that's a book I'd read. Yeah. Of, an audio book I'd listen to. It'd take twice as long oh to listen God. to it, though, because I'd I was slow. 1.2 speed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what a great voice. Wow. Anyway, four but, times. My God, that's yeah. a lot of times. At the age of 53, Archibald had just killed for the first time. What they do know for certain is he took Ray's body, he placed it beside a stream, he covered it with clods of earth, and he kept going back and covering it up and covering it up, and he ended up taking Lady Hudson's Labrador for walks just to see if the dog could detect there was a body there, and eventually the dog didn't even notice. Archibald told Lady Hudson that her new favourite guy around the house had been offered a job in Torquay. Is Torquay in Cornwall? Yeah. 
So he couldn't go any further away. No, he's at the opposite end of the, of the yeah. country. Okay. Um, no, you definitely can't visit. It's too far. It's too far. You can't go check on him. Too far. So he'd got away with murder that time. Lady Hudson, she was growing suspicious and eventually called a local policeman to check on him. And he found out things weren't above board. He was escorted from the house and he ended up in a hotel in Gretna that night. But he wasn't arrested and undeterred from his criminal ways, he travelled to London and managed to con his way into another job as a butler for a very wealthy and well-to-do couple, the Scott Elliots. Mr Walter Scott Elliot and his wife Dorothy Scott Elliot were extremely well off. He was a former MP and she was the daughter of a very wealthy Indian merchant and they had fallen for Archibald's act, giving him access to their money and prized possessions. Whoops. And these weren't the only new friends Archibald was making in London. When he got down to the city, he met up with a lady called Mary Coggles. She was also known as Belfast Mary and was infamous for putting her morals aside, if she meant she could, for a quick buck. So she basically had a hankering for men with money. Let's put it that way. She sounds like a criminal. Like, that's a criminal name. Mary Coggles. <laughs> yeah, Mary Coggles. She hung out with the right people. Let's put it that way. If you know what I mean. Hello. Yep. I want to hear Len say that. <laughs> <laughs> Mary also had a friend that Archibald got on with, another small-time thief called Michael Kitto. Belfast Mary had a terrible reputation and Michael Kitto had been in prison Three times already before he met Archibald. So you could say that Archibald had a great taste in friends. Archibald had only been working for the Scott Elliots a month when he and Michael went out one night for a drink to brainstorm how they were going to rob the elderly couple. But things took a deadly turn when they returned to the house to pinch wine from the cellar. Now this is where the story gets a bit wild. Gets wild? Yeah. Oh, I'm already there, mate. Okay. They went and raided the the fantastic wine cellar the Scott Elliots had. And the way down, uh, Mrs Scott Elliot, unexpectedly, they thought she was out, came to the door and uh, she asked what was happening. And Hall said that um, Kitto sprang forward, um, assaulted the lady, she fell and she was found to be dead. You know, if it wasn't so sad, it would almost be like an Ealing comedy. They decide that what they're going to do with Mrs. Scott Elliot is take her body in the boot of a rented car to Scotland and dump it. And they're going to drug Walter Scott Elliot um, so that he's not really fully compassmentous of what's going on. They're going to have Mary Coggle dress up in Dorothy Scott Elliot's clothes and in particular her mink coat. And she's going to pretend to be Walter Scott Elliot's wife. I would like to disclaim that this is not funny because people were murdered, but the scenario to me just feels very Del Boy. Like yeah. it's yeah. the most chaotic sort of comedy sketch yeah, version like, of a murder. Like that is that is wild. Like Yeah. Like what she's just gonna dress up as a what for the rest of Walter's life? Yeah. Like what? I know. Right, you dress up. And also, but like, they'll have had to come up with that quite quickly. Cause, oh, fuck, she's dead. All right, okay. Uh, uh, right, we'll wrap her up in a carpet. We'll put her in the boot. Uh, Mary, Coggles, you um, 
dress up, get a coat, and you dress up, and and we'll just drug him for a bit so that he's, he gets a bit out of it. And by the time he comes round, he'll think that you're his wife, and and nobody will know she's actually gone. But we'll go all the way to Scotland from London because that also makes sense. Exactly. So what started off as a drunken plan to end Archibald's criminal days with one last job and launch him into luxury retirement in hiding had spiralled into a mess of murder and kidnapping. They had killed Dorothy and were now taking Walter on a potentially fatal road trip to Scotland. Why are they taking him with them? I don't know. I, t- I didn't realise that was part. I thought they were drugging him so they didn't realise that like, he was just going to be left at home all asleep. No, he's be like, he'll be asleep the whole time and we'll just keep think- let him think it's Wednesday still. He became a hostage to them. And I think that's one of the cruelest parts of Hall's story. He paid the bills when they stayed over, and there were several days went by where they had him with them, and they kept him drugged up. Hall decided that at some point they would have to kill him. Now, Hall tries to rationalise this by saying we had no alternative, but when you look at his story, it doesn't really hang together. He was enjoying having his former uh, employer as a hostage. It was like a sort of trophy. And that's kind of fucked, really, isn't it? The baby just started, like, kicking loads during that Really? Clip. Yeah, so I think she's outraged. Yeah, by the story. By the story, because it's taken a turn. Yeah. Like, it was all... It, I say it's all fun and games trying to cover up a murder. It, You know, obviously it's not. But, like, th- th- so that's why they took him along, was just to bankroll it, basically. But they're keeping him a bit drugged. Yeah. And where's Coggles at this point? Is she just in the car, not She's turning She's just round? wearing a mink She's coat. just wearing it in the front seat. Like, yeah. oh, yes, dear. <laughs> My God. Walter Scott Elliot was now 500 miles from his home in London. And sadly for Walter, he becomes too much of a liability for Archibald and Michael. So in the remote Scottish landscape, they kill again. No, mm-hmm. it's not even his fault. They took him along. One version is that he wanted to get out the car to relieve himself and he went down just off the road and Hall came down and tried to strangle him. Now this is an old man in his 80s who was suffering from pretty extreme Alzheimer's but it would appear as though he put up an enormous fight and he was too strong for Hall and his own, and Hall had to summon Kitto. And Kitto got a spade from the boot and walloped Scott Elliot over the head and killed him virtually instantly. Like, like he's eight, makes he, me so sad. If he's got severe Alzheimer's as well, <sighs> like you don't, he's if their sh- short-term memory's not going to be great. He's, he probably isn't going to remember. Just leave him be. Yeah. Or you could just pass it off as, oh, classic Walter, he's crazy now. Like, come on. Mm. Yeah, like, to, to do all of this, is it's so unnecessary. It's such a massive overreaction. I don't know why they just didn't leave him so at it, home. This whole, his whole history of killing so far has been a massive overreaction. Like, just yeah. calm down, Archie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's too much. It sounds like he doesn't know what he's doing half the time and he lets his emotions get the better of him. Do you think, but also, I just think he's chaos. This does read like a film. Yeah. Like, 
Is is this this like obsession with the you know the the glitz and the glamour the Hollywood era coming back again and is so he just automatically like flares for the dramatic or like yeah the, that's the exactly story. what I think it is because he does base a lot of his like life and his decisions around kind of you know having these elaborate stories about himself and having these like plot lines and I think that perhaps maybe he went for these dramatic reactions to try and make his life more more Hollywood and more entertaining I said well not entertaining but well no for him it probably is yeah. it's probably like oh my god this is this has turned into such a caper but I'm handling it really well so he thinks so they had just killed Walter Scott Elliot days after his wife Dorothy and abandoned his body in Glen Afric, Scotland meanwhile Mary Coggle was having the time of her life in this horribly morbid road trip it's a puzzle because Mary Coggle was living a bit of a dream here because she was going about wearing um, Dorothy Scott Elliott's hugely expensive mink coat. She was wearing a wig. Uh, she was wearing the fantastic jewellery that Mrs Scott Elliott had. And that's all that mattered to Mary. I don't think she realised the danger she was in. According to Hall, he became really annoyed that Mary Coggle was wearing Mrs. Scott Elliott's mink coat. He felt this was drawing attention to Mary Coggle in the towns and villages in Scotland that they were passing through. Hall claimed that she simply couldn't carry that kind of uh, act off and therefore became increasingly um, concerned that she was drawing attention to them. Hall again claims that he was going to kill Mary Coggle quite quickly, but again, here's part of the sexual magnetism that he always claims for himself. She persuades Hall to have sex on the mink coat in front of a fire, and that therefore, according to Hall, meant that he felt he should let her live. In any event, that kind of change of heart about not killing her doesn't last very long and then eventually he's going to take a poker to her head. Kitto comes from behind her and holds her and then they put a plastic bag over her head so as to suffocate her even after hitting her with the poker. Fucking hell. Like, so at the start of this, th these, these clips keep escalating too yeah. quickly for me because at the start, uh, in my head, have you watched Archer? One of the characters, Cheryl, or Carol, whatever her name is, she is a bit of a, like an eccentric, rich lady. But like Mary Coggle in my head just sort of turned into Cheryl when she gets this like persona on. She's got her mink coat on, she's got her wig on, she's got her jewellery and she's just wandering around going, indubitably, <laughs> or like whatever. And you're like, oh, Mary, lol. Like, you know, shit circumstance, but Mary's having a great time. Well, but then <laughs> sex on the coat. Very Hollywood. Yep. In front of a fire as yeah. well. And you know that like um, there was soft, the, the camera would have gone into soft focus. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, the, the classic you can just pan, see the pan shapes away. Yeah, their to, bodies. To a shadow in the firelight of them joining. But then that was an escalation. Poker to the head and then suffocating. Mm -hmm. It's funny that, like how they have sex and he's like, oh, I won't kill her. And then yeah. the the fuzzy feeling wears know, off, and he's like, "No, I will." Yeah, she, you know, like the 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 soft focus comes back into hard focus, as so she's there in her coat, going a <laughs> with a martini, and he's like, "Fuck you, yeah. you're dead." Yeah, 
So now 51-year-old Mary Coggle was dead. Archibald and Michael dressed her up in men's clothing and then dumped her in a remote stream before heading south to Archibald's sister's house for Christmas in Staffordshire. Archibald did not give two shits about what he'd just done, which is pretty evident. On Christmas Day, 1977, 29-year-old policeman, Alan Place, had just sat down to Christmas lunch when the phone rang. This was the office. A woman's body's been found in a wee barn between Middleby and Waterbeck, so it was all hands to the pump. So we all collected at Lockerbie Police Station and then made our way to the locus of this, this body. They made their way to Middleby, where the body had been discovered. There was a body, all right, but they had no name and absolutely no clue to who could have possibly done this. Totally unaware that the police in Scotland had just found Mary's body, Archibald continues his festive tour and meets up with his younger brother, Donald. Now, Donald was Archibald's younger brother. Donald had looked up to Archibald and followed in his criminal ways. He'd just got out of prison after serving three years for burglary. But the same affection did not go the other way. Archibald absolutely hated Donald. Donald was scruffy with long hair. He was the total opposite of Archibald. And it was rumoured that Donald was a paedophile. Still, Archibald and Michael took Donald back for dinner and drinks at a cottage they were renting in Cumbria. He stayed for a couple of nights. And on the second night, he got really excited about the idea of going back to rob Lady Hudson in Scotland. He had plans up his sleeve, which he told them, here's Len. He boasted to them of how you could tie a person up and render them absolutely incapable of any resistance by a very simple method of tying arms and legs, put the person on the front and tie the arms behind the back and bend the legs up. And so Donald put himself in that position to demonstrate and haul and kitto, tied him up in the way that he suggested. And then his brother, Roy, soaked a cloth with chloroform and smothered him. I think it's the only chloroform murder in the UK. Fun fact. Yeah. Okay. But also, another escalation. So Donald let them hogtie him? Yeah, he was showing them how to do it. He was... Because that's his brother and he loves him. Yeah. So he feels safe to be hogtied by his brother. Obviously, his brother didn't share those affections to him. Hated him. Brilliant. He's hogtied. I'm just going to... So I'm just going to fucking do him in now. I'm going to do a chloroform murder. The reality is really grim, though, on how he died from the chloroform. Well, how does it... How does it happen? Well, Archibald not only smothered Donald, he put the whole bottle of liquid down his throat. Fuck! Which killed him. Yeah. Now, Archibald and Michael had another body to get rid of, but they had a plan. They hire a car. He tells Kitto, change the number plate on the car because three of the numbers are 999, and a whole thinks that's very unlucky. 
So Kitto did change the number plate, so the number plate and the tax disc, the road tax license, aren't going to match. So they have Donald Hall in the back of the car, they drive back to Scotland, they book into a hotel, they claim they're about to emigrate to Australia. Hall's glib attitude normally got him out of difficult situations, but there was something about his attitude that the hotel owner didn't like. And he just thought it was too glib. And he suspected that they were about to commit some sort of board and lodgings fraud. And um, he spoke to his wife and she didn't like the look of him either. And he called the local police. Now the police turned up, they looked at the, the Granada that he was driving and they found out that the tax disc didn't match up to the number plate. Archibald and Michael were arrested and taken back to the police station for questioning, but the body of Donald was still in the boot of the car. Had Kitto and he kept their nerve, then they might have simply walked away half an hour later, gone back to their dinner or, or gone back to the hotel. When Kitto realised the situation he was in, he his nerve went. In the meantime, Hall who was very good at escaping, that's one thing he was excellent at. Um, he threw away all the incriminating stuff in his pockets, he flushed them down the toilet, he jumped out the window in the police office, and I think that's when the police took the car to the police station, and as a routine, decided to just check what was in it, and then to their horror, found there was a body. So once again, a pantomime, he jumped out the window. Yeah. That's another one of them situations where... The, where the police would get involved for something quite small, like potentially... Just like tax fraud. Yeah, or two men that just look dodgy, and then they just stumble across <laughs> this entire shit show. They literally got brought in on a, on a gut feeling. On a gut feeling, and <laughs> yeah. there is a body in there. <laughs> They're about to go down for murder. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a can of salmon, isn't it? It is a can of salmon. Intent on getting away with his crimes, though, he swallowed some pills he had in his clothing... And he was taken straight to Edinburgh Hospital, where he would, was treated quickly and he survived. Archibald Hall and Michael Kitto were now officially under arrest, but the true extent of their crime spree was still unknown. That was until police officers in London received a tip-off from an antiques dealer about some stolen silver belonging to the Scott Elliots. Intrigued, the police went back to the house to check in and found that their home had been completely ransacked. And not only that, Walter and his wife Dorothy were missing. Police officers in Scotland started to search for the bodies. Mr Walter Scott was found on the 18th of January. Then three days later, Archibald gave up information on his first victim, David Wright. He was taken back to Lady Hudson's estate to show police where the body was hidden. Officer Alan Place, who worked on the case at the time, remembers it well. Yes, it, well, I can always remember it. it was a terribly cold, it had been a long cold spell and it was a right uh, snowy day and uh, we were showing where the body was and a whole team of us and of course the chief constable was there. We went to the place which had been described and, and, and shown to us indeed by Hall and we excavated the body off right, which was quite something as it had been buried for a wee while and uh, he was then taken back, obviously, to the mortuary. Not a pleasant job. We carried him, actually, on an old door. We didn't have a stretcher, so he was rolled onto an old door that we found in, on the Kirtleton estate, and he was 
carried unceremoniously back to Kirtland where he was put in the back of a, a recovery vehicle. On the 23rd of January 1978, Archibald took the police to the location of the last body, Mrs Dorothy Scott Elliott. Archibald's killing spree was finished. On the 2nd of May 1978, Archibald Hall and Michael Kitto appeared at the High Court in Edinburgh, charged with the murders of David Wright and Walter Scott Elliott. Both were found guilty, Archibald was given two life sentences and Michael was given one life sentence. They were then due for sentencing in England for the murders of Mary Coggle, Dorothy Scott Elliott and Donald Hall. Here's Len, Archibald's solicitor. It became perfectly obvious from the start. He wasn't going to contest it and he was going to hold his hands up and plead guilty. And that day was Kitto's birthday. And in the High Court, he turned from the dock as they were going to be led downstairs. And he turned to the press benches. And I was sitting just a few feet away. And he said to the press, Ah, well, life begins at 40. An extraordinary thing to say. What a weird... Oh, that's just inappropriate, isn't it? Prick. <laughs> In a, oh, life begins at 40. Tumbleweeds. Nobody... That wasn't a shit thing to say, mate. That wasn't cool. No. Was it? No one... That wasn't funny. No. They were sentenced on the 1st of November 1978 at the Old Bailey. Archibald got two more life sentences for Mary Coggle and Donald Hall, but denied Mrs Scott Elliott's murder. Michael Kitto got 15 years for his part in the crimes, but Archibald was never to be released. But in true Archibald form, he made himself busy writing two autobiographies, making sure people would remember him in the way that he wanted, as if he was in a Hollywood movie. Yeah, but we've called him Archibald this whole time, haven't we? <laughs> haven't we? And you didn't like that, did you, Roy? <laughs> Fuck you, Archibald. When investigating the, the circumstances of this story, for the first time in my life, I watched a film called Raffles with David Niven in it. And um, you could see Hall shining through. And when you look at the way Hall acted, I think he used that as a sort of template for um, his life. And he was, he was astonished that people didn't regard him as David Niven or, or Cary Grant to catch a thief. Hall really did think of himself as a cut above the rest, as somebody who was sexually dynamic, sexually magnetic to both genders. Hall lived a fantasy life, but the tragedy is, of course, that Hall ultimately also had some deep-seated psychopathy. Hall is somebody who's going to seduce people so as to take things from them and sometimes that involved taking their lives this is not a nice man michael has actually now served his time and was released quite a while ago no one knows where he is though he's behind you (laughs) archibald was never released and he died of a stroke in 2002 2002 (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. We say 2020 yeah, now. It sounded good. 2010. <laughs> he was 78 when he had a stroke. Archibald wanted to be remembered for glitz and glamour, which he, he won't be. He's not. He's not. He's Sorry. Not. But for those affected by his callous crimes, he'll always remain the monster butler. He had a shocking, 
shocking record for theft. You know, by the time he died, he had been sentenced to a total of 81 years imprisonment, plus two life sentences, plus three committals to a psychiatric hospital. Looking back on it now, it was quite the most extraordinary case. Perhaps for all the wrong reasons, he was probably one of the most unforgettable characters I ever met. And that was the case of the monster butler, Archibald Hall. That was such a ride. Like, you just couldn't see it coming. You can't Mm. make that up. Yeah, this whole story was wild. And heartbreaking and really not okay for anyone that was involved. It's just mad, yeah. But it's just, it is like someone has just got drunk and written a script. Yeah. Next time on Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We're taking a look at the absolutely nuts story of Jim Baker and Tammy Faye. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of Devils in the Dark. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please do check the description for lots of helpful resources. Special thanks to Woodcut Media and our wonderful producers at Audio Boom Studios. Bye! Bye Bye-bye!